Would you open a Bible with me to the Old Testament book of 1 Chronicles chapter 10. That is where we are going to be reading together here in just a few moments. 1 Chronicles chapter 10. And while you're turning back there, let me echo the welcome to all of you. Thank you for being here this morning. To our guests especially, welcome. We're glad that you're here. I appreciate so much not only you being here, but so enthusiastically singing these anthems of faith and belief. That is precisely what we want to talk about together this morning. And so I invite you to have your Bibles open back to 1 Chronicles chapter 10, where we'll read together in just a few moments. I missed you. I missed being here this past week. It was my privilege to go and work with the saints in St. James, Missouri this past week, but there is no place like home, and I am thankful to be with you and to have this opportunity. We've been reading together here recently in our daily Bible reading schedule from this Old Testament book of First Chronicles, and more than one of you have mentioned that that was some tough sledding here over the last couple of weeks. Lots of names at the beginning of First Chronicles. It is, in fact, a, a chronicle of a lot of names, a chronicle of Israel's genealogy. And it comes at a, a tough time in Israel's history. That becomes very clear even in some of the verses that we're going to read together in just a few moments. But as I was reading that a week, week and a half ago, there was a word that stood out to me. And I was thinking about that word throughout the rest of the day. In fact, that word showed up in the reading the next day. And even if you didn't read that with us, if you have your Bible open or on back to 1 Chronicles 10, we'll catch you up. That word is a big deal. That word can be really, really serious. That word was breach. I don't know if you know noticed that. Maybe you were reading in a, a different English translation that, that used a slightly different English word. But I'd really encourage you to think about the seriousness of a breach with me this morning. If you're in a boat miles away from shore, a breach in the hole is a really big deal. If you're miles away and many, many feet down in a submarine and there is a breach in the hole, there is very little more pressing than that breach. We don't use that word a whole lot. All that it means is a hole or a gap in something that prior to the breach was solid, secure, complete. But 
breaches, when they happen, can be a really big deal. If you're living in the ancient world and there is a breach in the wall that is your sense of security, that can be a really big deal. Even today, maybe the most common word that we use it in everyday vernacular is is to describe some sort of a security breach. And it's one thing if someone has hacked your library password. Another thing entirely if they've hacked your bank account or they have your social security number. In, in that case, a breach is a really big deal. We've got that idea in our minds this morning. If your Bible is open to 1 Chronicles chapter 10, I want you to read with me the language in verses 13 and 14. It's describing Israel's first king, King Saul. And the chronicler tells us that Saul died. Israel's first king did not have a pleasant death. We can go back and we can read historically in 1 Samuel about how he died at the hands of the Philistines. But what makes this unique is the way his death is described, and the why behind his death. So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. A breach is a hole or a gap where something was once solid and complete. And breaches of any sort can be serious, but the most serious breach of all is a breach of faith. You might have to turn a page before. Look at the beginning of the previous chapter. 1 Chronicles chapter 9. Many of you, as I mentioned, as we read chapters 1 through 8 of 1 Chronicles, noticed this is not the easiest section to read. But really, what is being documented for us is from Adam all the way through Israel's history to the end of their time as a nation before their being conquered by Babylon and carried away into exile and enduring decades of very difficult life far away from home. What has that chronicler been building up Two over the course of eight chapters. Well, here it is in 1 Chronicles chapter 9 and verse 1. So Israel, all Israel was recorded in genealogies. And these are written in the books of the kings of Israel. And Judah was taken into exile. Those are heartbreaking words. 
These are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to whom God promised a great nation and a land for that nation to live in. But now they're no longer in that nation. They're taken, plucked out of that nation, taken into exile in Babylon. Why did that happen? Was it because Israel's God was not as powerful as the so-called gods and goddesses of Babylon? No, that's not why it happened. Is it because God's or Israel's God was sleeping on the job, got bored, distracted with something else? No, that's, that's not why it happened. Judah was taken into exile in Babylon because of their, here's our word again, because of their breach of faith. A breach is a hole or a gap where something was once solid and complete and breaches of any sort can be serious, but the most serious breach of all is a breach of faith. I'd like to talk with you about that for the next few minutes. Would you open your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 13? We heard just a moment ago about Saul. We see in 1 Chronicles the seriousness of a breach of faith. How does that happen? Why does that happen? Where at one point someone might say, as we have sung together this morning, Lord, I believe. I know whom I have believed. Faith is the victory, but where at one time everything was solid and complete, now there is a hole. Now there is a gap. A gap of faith. How does that happen? Maybe it's impatience. Here in 1 Samuel chapter 13, we're reading all about King Saul. He's two years into his reign and his neighboring enemies are coming out against him in force. They have 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen. Soldiers like the sand by the seashore in number. And King Saul's people, the Israelites, are trembling. And the prophet Samuel said he was going to meet Saul, but Samuel is nowhere to be found. And so eventually, King Saul gets impatient. And I want you to notice the way it's described. Verse 8 of 1 Samuel chapter 13. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from King Saul. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me. He's not a priest. He's not the high priest. He's, he's a king. This is not his territory. This is not his responsibility. He does not have the God-appointed freedom to do this. But he says, bring it anyway. And he offered the burnt offering. And as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. Saul went out to meet him and greet him. And the prophet says, what have you done? The king responds, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that 
You didn't come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash. I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I've not sought the favor of the Lord. So I, I forced myself and I offered the burnt offering. Big deal. A big deal to get impatient when things aren't going the way I think they ought to go as quickly as they ought to go. And so I'm just going to go ahead and force myself maybe into territory that I have no right to be in. The prophet says to the king, you've done foolishly. You've not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you, for then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. What is the prophet describing? A breach of faith. Where it once was solid and complete now it is not that God has moved away from Saul it is Saul that has moved away from God by not keeping the command of the Lord and because of that God is going to move the kingdom away from Saul breaches of any sort are a big deal breaches of faith most serious of all you might have to turn a page or two over to 1 Samuel chapter 15. All sorts of breaches are serious. What sort of breaches? How can breaches of faith occur? Maybe it's fear. Here still is King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15. God has told him to lead the children of Israel against the Amalekites and devote everything to destruction. And Saul with his soldiers is able to win a great victory, but anything that looked particularly good or valuable, he decided just to go ahead and keep. Big deal? 1 Samuel 15, 24, the king says to the prophet, I've sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, he says to Samuel the prophet, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. But I want you to listen to Samuel's words. I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. What is that? That's a, that's a breach of faith. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. And Samuel says, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than yours, better than you. Go with me a few pages later to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 12, we've noticed how King Saul got himself in trouble. Impatience. Fear creating a breach of faith. Maybe, 
Maybe it's just old-fashioned selfishness. Selfish ambition because generations later we read about another king right over the northern tribes of Israel. His name is Jeroboam. In 1 Kings chapter 12 verse 25, Jeroboam builds Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim. He lived there. He went out from there and built Penuel. and, And Jeroboam, this new king, says in his heart... Maybe this kingdom is going to turn back to David, back to David's family line. I'm up here in the north. Jerusalem is down in the the, the south. That's where people are, are used to going to offer sacrifices. But I'm afraid, verse 25, that the heart of this people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they'll kill me and return to Rehoboam. So... He gets some advisors together. What should we do? Because I'm in danger of losing what I have. And so here's the answer. We'll make two calves of gold. We'll put one in the north, one in the south. and, And we'll tell everybody, you know what? You've gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold your God. So it's, you, you want to know who brought you out of Egypt? Just look to one of these two golden calves. What's behind that? breach of faith selfish ambition i don't want to lose what i have a close cousin of that is just old-fashioned pride right we listen to God in Ezekiel chapter 7 and verse 10 as he describes the, the rotten fruit of this pattern of behavior. He says in verse 10 of Ezekiel 7, Behold the day, behold it comes, your doom has come. Why? The rod has blossomed. What's the big deal? Pride, pride on the inside has budded. And as it buds and it blossoms, what does it do? It creates a breach between the people and their God. It's the principle described in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18 that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Why? Because I'm pretty sure I know where this is going to go and I can just run in whatever way I want and not really worry about it. Meanwhile, there's a breach that has been created in front of me. By my pride. How does God feel about human pride? Especially as it creates a breach between himself and his people. Well, Amos chapter 6 says, I abhor it. I abhor the pride of Jacob and hate his strongholds. And I will deliver up the city and all that is in it. Go with me to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 30. All sorts of things can lead to a breach of faith. Impatience, fear, selfish ambition, pride. Isaiah particularly highlights stubbornness. God's pulling this way, I decide, nope, I don't want to turn that way. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 1, aha, stubborn 
children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, who, who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh, and to she, seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Verse 9, they are a rebellious people, lying Children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord, who, who say to the seers, do not see. We don't want to listen to what you have to say. To the prophets, don't prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy illusions. Leave the way. Turn aside from the past. Let us no longer hear any more about the Holy One of Israel. How does God feel about how does he describe it listen especially to verses 12 and 13 because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and rely on them therefore this iniquity shall be to you like a like a breach in a high wall bulging out and about to collapse, whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant. You see, you insist on your own way. What you don't realize is, by not listening to me, you are creating a gap more serious than you can possibly imagine. That's where all of this leads. In Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2, it's not that the Lord's hand is so short that it cannot save. It's not that He can't reach us. It's not that His ear is so dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation. Whatever was behind that, if it's fear or it's impatience or it's selfish ambition or it's pride or it's stubbornness, whatever it is, by deciding, you know what, I think I know better than God or I don't want to listen to God right now or I, I just want to pave my own way and do my own thing and I, I think he'll be okay with it. I think he would want me to be happy. What you need to realize is that's created a breach between you and your Creator. A breach between you and the source of life. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. Now there's the reality. And it's a universal reality. All sin and, listen to the language from Romans, fall short of the glory of God. Why do I fall short? It's because I've created a breach. When I sin, I can't reach that. I can't jump across the chasm of my separation that I've created because of my sin. I was created to glorify God and now I, I can't reach that because of the breach 
that I made. But the reason we're here this morning is because there's good news. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 5? There is faith that bridges the breach. And if all of this is true, listen, I don't know what you have on your agenda this week. I don't know what you anticipate enjoying today, but there's nothing. Listen to me this morning. There is nothing more important today or this week or this month or this year or the rest of your life more important than figuring out how I can share in the faith that bridges this breach that I created between me and God. We'll be in Romans chapter 5 in just a moment. I want you to listen to the language even before we leave the prophets. God held out a glimmer of good news. In Micah chapter 2, he says, You stubborn children, I will surely assemble all of you. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold. Listen to that. You've created a separation between me and you. You and and me, your shepherd, but I'll I'll set them together like sheep in a fold, like a, a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the breach goes up before them. God allowed these people to choose which way they were going to live. He he didn't move. They moved away from him. But now he is saying, listen, I, I will be like a shepherd. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate going out by it. He's not just going to be a shepherd. He's he's going to be a shepherd king that passes on before them. In fact, passes through the breach that he might lead them back to life. How beautiful is that? Even in the days when God said, listen, through the prophet Ezekiel, I I sought for a man to stand in the gap, to build up the wall, to stand in this breach before me in the land that I should not destroy. And I, I didn't find one among the children of Israel. And so I want you to listen very carefully. God didn't find one, so God became one. A shepherd king who would pass through the breach that human beings created for his glory, made by their stubborn rebelliousness, God became one. In order to lead us back to life. Romans chapter 5 verse 6, while We were still weak at the right time. Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We created the breach. Christ 
died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. The wrath that we deserve. For if while we were enemies, listen to the word that is used here. We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received. Here it is a third time. Reconciliation. You know what that word means? A a breach is just a hole or a gap where something was once complete and solid. And if I reconcile something... All that that word means is I I bring them back together. We created the breach. God became a man to pass through the breach in order to bring us back to God. And so in our last few minutes together, would you turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1? Could I show you just a simple case study of what that looked like in the first century? And the reason that this is so valuable, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is, this is how it can happen in anybody's life. This is how it can happen in your life. Our daily Bible reading just recently passed through this territory. If you didn't read it with us, could I encourage you sometime this week to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Faith That Bridges the Breach. How does that happen? Look at verse 6. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 6. Middle part of that verse, you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me this morning. Do you want to have faith that bridges the breach between you and your Creator? Here's where it begins. You, like these people 2,000 years ago, have to receive the word. Whose word? God's word. You've got to receive the word. Number two, you've got to turn. Look at verse 9. They themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. I, I can't be reconciled to Him if I keep running away from Him. I can't be reconciled to Him if I keep ignoring him but if i will receive his word and turn turn from whatever separates me and i number three if i will imitate first part of verse six you became imitators of us and of the lord no more going with the flow of sin that's how i got into this mess i want to be different I want to be His, and I want Him to be mine, and so I'm going to serve Him for the rest of my life. Look at verse 3. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in what? Not 
not in sin, not in this fallen world, not even in, in yourself. Hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now it's, it's a matter of living a very different kind of life. Look at verse 7. So that you became an example, a model to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. You're showing the world a different way of living. Now, what's coming out of you is a, a very different message. Verse 8, not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. You see the change that has been made. I... I belong to somebody else now. I'm following somebody else now. I'm, I'm unashamedly sharing how he's changed my life. And I, I want everybody to hear this news. Because I, I trust him. Verse 10, I'm waiting for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead his name is Jesus. Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. It is such a simple case study. But here it is. Faith that bridges the breach. If I will receive his word and turn. Stop running away from him. If I'll start following him and serving him. You see, that's where it changes in my life, on the upper part of that line. And then below that line, this is the impact that it has on the world. In fact, this is the impact it's had ever since those days in Thessalonica. It's on the other side of the world 2,000 years later. This is the way we finish what was started. Listen, surely you see, we can't finish what was started if there's a breach between us and God. But this is how the precious promise of Romans 15, 13 is fulfilled in our lives. Listen to this as we close. May the God of hope I transgressed against him, and now he's described as a God of hope. Fill you with all joy. I, I was living in the bitterness of, of my own sins, and now he's talking about joy. Everything was wrecked and turned upside. I was lost. And now he's, he's talking about peace. How? Faith that bridges the breach. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And so could I ask you just a really personal question this morning? Is there some sort of a gap between you and the God who created you? I mean, the reason you have today is because he gifted it to you. The reason you have health is because he's allowed you to have health. The reason you have oxygen to breathe, that's his oxygen. You are because He willed. And maybe when you're honest with yourself, you realize He and I aren't on the same page. 
there's such good news. This is how we exercise faith that bridges that breach. And so maybe for the very first time you're willing to receive His Word as the Word that needs to change your life. Maybe this morning you're ready to turn. The Bible word for that is repent. Stop running away from Him and run towards Him. Start living according to a better standard. Start serving not yourself but the God who created you and has deserved it all along. So that in this world you might shine as a light. That you might share the news that can change anybody's life. So that this word can continue to spread and every step of the way you trust. He knows what he's doing. He's coming again. And because of what Jesus has done in my life, I have no reason to fear. I am a person of faith. Faith that bridges the breach. If we can help you in any way this morning, I want you to hear me loud and clear. This invitation song is for you. And if we can be of some help in you bridging the breach between you and God, would you let us know how we can help? By coming to the front while we stand and sing together. song this morning will be We Shall Assemble. <laughs> 